Good morning, and uh, thank you for allowing me to share God's message with you this morning. Uh, our church has been covering the Gospel of Luke, and I, I have to admit that I have a little bit, a little bit of a love-hate relationship with this Gospel, and it has nothing to do with the writer, because it was very, very well written. I don't know if you know, but Luke uh, was a medical doctor, and therefore he recorded history with exceptional organization, and I think the perfect amount of detail. So what's the negative association I have? Well, I had a very strict upbringing. So my dad had this great idea and made it a tradition when I was, I don't remember 100%, but somewhere around 9 or 10 years old, and I have an older brother and two younger sisters, so three siblings, that all of us on Good Friday do something different than, my, than, our, than our friends would. Because our friends in elementary school thought, Good Friday, that's perfect. Day off school. What do they do? Go to the park or the playground, play football, baseball, basketball, whatever. And all we got to do was see them outside our window. Because my dad's great idea was we would fast as a family and everybody read the whole book of Luke. <laughs> Every Good Friday. So... I know it was very, very good for me, and I know the gospel of Luke, but not always all positive memories, because as an elementary kid, I really did want to just play outside on those days. So anyway, today's passage is about Levi's conversion, Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 38, and we'll start by reading it first together. So if you have your Bibles or Bible app, or you just want to look up here, I'll be... Go from there. Uh, let me just look at it here and do it this way. Okay. Jesus calls Levi. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect Complain to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But years go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little secret, and whether Pastor Ron likes it or not, I don't know. But sometimes I'm a little tired when I come for service. It could be a Friday night, and it was a long week, and I'm exhausted. It could be Sunday morning because it was a long week, and I got up earlier than I should have. But either way, when I'm really tired, I struggle to stay awake during the sermon. Sorry, Pastor Ron. So one of my secrets is 
We have a three-point sermon here, and I post them as questions, and you can fill in the points any way you want later. But Pastor Ron does something similar, and I copied it off him. He doesn't mind. I think sometimes plagiarism is a form of flattery. Anyways, uh, we got three blanks. Before he starts his sermon, I put in my guesses. That way, I'm excited to see if I'm right or wrong. It keeps me awake. So I strongly advise you guys try to do that. In fact, I think I'm a little more generous than Pastor Ron. Because Pastor Ron will have a little blank like this, and sometimes it's three words. (laughs) Then he should have gave me three with spaces in between. He does not. I do not know why, but anyway, I'm giving him some hint to help me out. Mine are one blank, one words. One word, one word, three words, the three points. So take a little time. Give it your best shot. Wrong or right, that's not the purpose of the guessing. The guessing is to see if you're right and help you pay attention. Okay. I want to focus on verse 28 in the message I just read, of phrases I just read. But I'm going to refer back to 11 also because it relates. And that was covered a couple weeks ago. Okay. So Luke chapter 5, 11 and 28. 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They, James, John, and Peter, they were fishermen, caught a lot of fish, and Jesus said, come follow me. They dropped everything and followed him. 28, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Same thing here. Jesus observed the tax collector sitting at his tax booth making a lot of money. I don't want to necessarily call it good money because I'm not sure how good it was because a lot of it may have been dirty. But anyway, he made a lot of money. Jesus comes up to him and just says, follow me, drops everything, and follows him. Now, first glance, whenever I read these verses, I thought, wow, that's impressive. These guys just, Jesus says, follow me. They dropped everything and followed him right there and then. I was like, what faith. What obedience taking nothing away from them, though I want to focus today a little more on Jesus rather than the faith of these four gentlemen, especially Levi, because I want to know this. That's what I want to focus on. How cool was Jesus while on earth? Because think about it. Wouldn't you like to just go up to someone and say, follow me? They drop everything and they flock to you. And they shadow you for the rest of their life. That's pretty impressive. So what's going on? So I think there's a coup factor with Jesus. But just so you guys can relate to people that are cool or we think are cool, I'm going to go down memory lane and give you some people that I think are cool and then compare Jesus to them. So I'm going to date myself. How many of you guys have seen the sitcom Happy Days? A lot. Wow, a lot of people my age are older. Okay. <laughs> Arthur Fonzarelli. The Fonz. I don't know about you guys, but I thought he was cool. And he had many aspects of cool. The leather jacket, the thumb, whatever, the motorcycle. But what I thought was the coolest was he snapped his finger. And when he did, every woman within earshot of that snap dropped everything and flocked to him. <laughs> my wife's supposed to be in here. Is she in here somewhere? <laughs> I don't know if she likes this, that I think that's great, because I'm going to try to claim like that's how I got her, but no, 
truth of the, truth of the matter is I probably groveled, begged, cried, and wore her down, right? But anyways, that's why I think this is cool, okay? All right, so we see that Fonz was cool. Right now, the Olympics are going on. Star athletes, we tend to think they're pretty cool. I'm from Chicago, close to Rockford. My brother lived in Rockford when he was going to medical school there, so welcome. Michael Jordan, we thought he was pretty cool. We had in Chicago, which went global, this campaign, Be Like Mike, all because he could shoot this basket like no other, right? Now, let's bring this to focus back to Jesus, and you guys should realize Jesus' cool factor is just way beyond anyone I just mentioned, and most likely more than anyone you're thinking in your mind. Why? In Jesus' time, in Jesus' time, knowing Scripture was highly respected, probably like the most respected trait. Every parent wanted their children to know Scripture. And from a very young age, they went at it, memorizing Scripture. And the ones who did it best were looked up to. Now, so you have some perspective. Basically, they were the book, books of Moses, the five books, first five books of Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I think I did that right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. And you're thinking, ah, five books. They try memorizing it all their life. Pretty good. But actually, if you compare pages, those five books are about equivalent to the whole New Testament. These kids went at it trying to memorize these five books from a very young age. And parents were very proud of the ones that did it really well. And the ones that excelled became teachers of Scripture. And teachers of Scripture the term is rabbi in those days, they respect it even more. And the ones that were the leaders and teachers at the temple, they were like the peak of society, hierarchy up here. So let's see how Jesus compares to what the culture at that time, what I say, thought was cool. At the age of 12, we know from the book of Luke, chapter 2, at the age of 12, Jesus was found at the temple Discussing and debating scripture with the teachers of scripture. And they were in awe of his knowledge and understanding. His questions and answers just amazed them. This means he had an incredible rap at 12 years old. Everyone just was amazed. Modern day comparison that I think of someone like that at 12 would be a prodigy 12 year old that. If it was academically gifted, today at the age of 12, MIT, Harvard, Stanford already offered them a full ride to come to their universities. If you're thinking athletically, at the age of 12, this kid Phnom is getting athletic offers from UCLA, Notre Dame, Duke University. He was known, respected. So when a person around 12 starts getting a rep, as they get older, sometimes the rep dies because they don't mature the way people expected. So how did Jesus do? His ministry started, and the miracles started. As Pastor Ron preached last week, 
He did remarkable things. Paralytic was let down the roof. He made the lame to walk. Had the blind to see. The deaf to hear. The dead to rise. And he literally walked on water. And then a cool factor that I think many of us could relate to today for sure. He turned water into fine wine. Not just wine, fine wine. He defied the need for ingredients and the whole fermentation process. Okay. He was clearly super cool. And James, John, Peter, and Levi realized this. So when Jesus said, follow me, they dropped everything and followed him. And I, we don't have records of this, but I'm pretty sure their parents were really proud of them. Okay? And I don't care how old you are, and I don't care what kind of relationship you have with your parent, most of us like our parents being proud of us. Okay? Now, the takeaway for today would be then, how cool do we think he is? Well, we know what Levi knew. We knew what Jesus did at 12. We know of all his miracles, but we have two additional information. What are those two? He died for us. There is no greater friend than a friend to lay down their life for you. He died for us. Any friend that would die for you, you got to think that's the coolest act. And then he resurrected. So we have additional information. We got to think he's the coolest. So we got to be ready to sacrifice anything and everything for him. The quote on this point that I have for you is from Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, Jim Elliott was, uh, like first he graduated from my alma mater, Wheaton College, but he became a missionary to the Oka Indians. And he has this phrase, and this is what explains, in my opinion, what Levi did. Because remember I told you, Levi was wealthy. Okay? He gave up everything, immediately followed Christ. Because Levi knew his money was temporary. Okay? But salvation was eternal. So Jim Elliott's quote is, he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now I'm going to read from verses 36 and 37. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. There are a few interpretations of this parable, but I believe the gist of it is once you're new in Christ, Christ guides you. He's telling you how to live. He's telling you how to be more like him. And in order to do that, you must leave your old thoughts, beliefs, and lifestyles behind. And to help Levi do that, Jesus gives him a new name, Matthew. Help separate. New from old. I'm going to come back to that after I talk a little bit about this. So, does your name matter? Got a song for you. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, 
He went and named me Sue. Okay, I know most of you guys know this song. It's fairly entertaining and very amusing, but not for the boy who was named Sue. Okay, so I'm going to read a, 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 a little bit of the lyrics and then, and then talk about Does Your Name Matter? Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash. Well, he must have thought that is quite a joke, and it got a lot of laughs from a lot of folk. It seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle, and I'd get red. Some guy'd laugh, and I'd bust his head. I tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. <laughs> so I think boy named Sue is pretty rough, but I'm sure most of you guys can relate to being teased especially during elementary school years, and probably many of you guys, in some way or form, they managed to tease you about your name. So does your name matter? Well, I'm going to confess something about my background. How many Koreans in here? How many Koreans? Or part Korean? We have a few part Koreans. Okay, now I'll get a bigger, I'll get a bigger hand on this one for sure. How many of you guys have at least watched K-drama before? K-drama. Yeah, exactly. A lot more. Okay. So hopefully now you will pay attention after I confess. My name in Korean is An Un Sun. An is, they, they, they go with the surname first. But anyway, the folks would be, first name is Un, middle name is Sun. And we can go with either. But Un Sun, so I'll let you know, I've never met a person in Korean named Un Sun that wasn't a girl, other than me. So, Un, we can focus on Un, we can focus on Un Sun. It's either way. So I have a girl's name in Korean. So I've had friends when I tell them this, oh, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. So your name is kind of like Leslie, Randy, Chris, where girls and boys both use it. I go, no. <laughs> no, I have a girl's name. It gets better than I have a girl's name. Un or Eun-san, either way you look at it, is like one of the, if not the most popular girl-only name. <laughs> so imagine this so you can relate to it in English. If you're sitting in first class, first grade, elementary school, and your teacher's taking attendance and yells out, I'm going to make up a name for me, Lisa Ahn, I have to go here. So everyone looks at me, right? And they start whispering. Even though they're only in first grade, first graders can be cruel. This feels like yesterday, just to let you know. It's very vivid in my memory, okay? It was many, many years ago, but it's still vivid. During recess, as this song so perfectly describes, the girls would giggle and all come up to me like four or five at a time, bombard me. You got a girl's name, you got a girl's name, you got a girl's name, and of course the guys. And fortunately, I had some control then. I'd wanted to bust their head, but I didn't. <laughs> I lived this song. <laughs> Your name matters, right? Your name matters. Now, Jesus knew your name matters. Focus back to Matthew. New in Christ. Levi, the tax collector, no longer. Matthew, the disciple. Disciple of Jesus Christ. Literal, literal meaning, Matthew, gift of God. God wanted to, Jesus wanted to separate Matthew from Levi and gives him a new name. 
For all of you guys, whether you want to adapt a new name and be it a Christian name and it helps you, good for you. But the point is, you don't have to. But the point that's important, new in Christ, you got to give up your old ways. New in Christ, you got to give up your old ways. That's takeaway number two from Levi's conversion. For some reason, this works perfect when Pastor Ron uses it, but doesn't like me. Oh, now I passed it up. Sorry about that. Can we go back? Now I hit it twice. Okay, thank you. So I'm going to go to verses 31 and 32. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love, and I don't know whether you love it or not, this term that Bill Hybels coined to refer to Pharisees. He calls them legalistic killjoys. Okay? I think we all study the book, walk across the room. Jesus came for the sinners. Jesus came for the sinners. And Levi, the tax collector, was a sinner, and he knew it. As soon as he met Jesus, he left everything and followed Jesus. And what was the first thing he did? He threw a party. He wanted to celebrate. I'm a Christian now. I follow Christ. I need to celebrate. So he has a party. Jesus and his disciples are there. Levi, or you can say Matthew now, his old friends who are tax collectors are there. I don't know how the Pharisees were there, but they were there. Whether they were invited or they crashed the party, we don't know. But somehow they're there, and I'm going to emphasize this point a little bit later. But Levi threw a party where Christ followers and sinners mingled. And Bill Hybels refers it to it, and somehow it's not working again for me. Okay. <laughs> oh, see, I did it twice again. I'm terrible. Tim, I'm sorry I'm terrible at that. I don't know why. It doesn't work for me. It was the it was same way Friday, too. <laughs> what do you think about the Matthew party? That's what the Bible's called these parties now. Matthew party because he decided he was going to throw one and walk across the room. So he looked at his church, gathered the Christians that he thought should be there, and looked among his non-Christian friends and invited the ones he wanted to be there. And he said, if at all possible, don't invite people from your church who are legalistic killjoys because it will... Bum the party. <laughs> okay? I know Matthew had them, and maybe some of them crashed Bill Hybels' party. We don't know. But if you have control, I agree with Bill Hybels, don't invite them. <laughs> okay? At the Matthew party, Bill Hybels was very worried is this a good idea? Is this a good evangelistic tool? Or is it a bad idea and it's going to backfire? Well, I'm going to read you a little bit from his book. Okay, I think I got the hang of it. Tim, when I point on this way, it works. When I point this way, it doesn't. I think. <laughs> okay. Page 198. I wish you could have been there to watch what unfolded that night. So what was it that gave it the buzz? Christ followers I'd invited? They took a walk across the room. The, then I'm going to skip on to page 200 because if I read you all this, the sermon would go way too long. <laughs> 
The future of the kingdom of God comes down to whether individual rank-and-file Christ followers will do in their everyday lives what just happened in my home tonight. And Bill Hybel says it was a successful night. The non-Christian friends and the Christian friends who he thought and prayed would be perfect to mingle, he said somehow the perfect mingling happened. Of course, he prayed and asked God for it to happen. But it happened because rank-and-file Christ followers walked across the room. I don't know how you feel, but for me, a lot of times I'm thinking, I'm not comfortable, I'm not good, I'm not called, and come on, that's the pastor's job. I travel with Pastor Ron. He's fantastic, fantastic at evangelizing, okay? I'm impressed. But we can't leave it to just the pastors. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 is not going to happen if all Christ followers don't start walking across the room. We have to all do it, and the command is for all of us, because Jesus will come after the Great Commission is fulfilled, and the Great Commission is going to take way too long if we leave it just to the pastors. So takeaway number three is we have to be out there throwing parties, or you want to call it parties, you want to call it gatherings, whatever you want to call it, meetings, where non-Christians and Christians can mingle comfortably. And then pray, because God will take care of the rest. Because that's what happened with Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels actively arranged the setting, prayed, and the comfortable mingling with the Christians positively influencing the non-Christians. If it starts happening the other way, then you're in trouble. But anyway, Christians positively influencing the non-Christians. You pray, it's going to happen. But we have to play our part. We have to play our part. So, this way. <laughs> it does work, say this way. <laughs> conclusion. Just a conclusion, and I'm going to try to keep it simple because I like, to, I, like, I like people to have takeaways that they can remember easily. I'm just going to say, Jesus was and is cool, or you could say Jesus is the coolest. It's nice to have a cool name and throw some cool parties. Those are the three takeaways. You could go a little more into each one. One is that Jesus is the coolest and you know it, therefore you should be willing to sacrifice everything for him. Nice to have a cool name. The focus is you're new in Christ. You got to give up your old lifestyle. Finally, throw cool parties. Again, the emphasis being non-Christians, Christians mingling comfortably and Christians influencing them and helping them to find Christ. Thank you for allowing me to share. I'll close in prayer. Lord, help us to give you top priority in our lives and may we be willing to give up everything for you. Thank you for accepting us for who we are and patiently waiting for us to accept your grace and salvation. Help us to be more like you and not regress to our old ways. Help us to lead others to you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.